Good day to you all and welcome to this 15th day of February. It is day 46 in our journey through the Bible. Hello to everyone out there. My name is Hunter and I am your brother. Someone who shows up with you every day to spend some time together in the pages of the Bible. We're going to let the Bible do what the Bible does and direct our hearts to the one who is the living word of God. The one alone who has the words of life. If you're new here today, I want to welcome you, let you know that we are glad you are here. Also want to let you know that we try and keep things real simple. We simply read through the Bible. And over the course of a year, we will read through the entire Bible, the Old Testament once, the New Testament twice. But more than anything, our desire is that we would have an encounter with the God who is capital L, love. The one who's given everything that we might be drawn in to the love that is shared between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Wonderful, my friends. That is good news. <laughs> it is indeed. And today we're going to look into a book that isn't always associated with love, and yet one of the most well-known verses about love in the entire Bible comes from the book of Leviticus. And in fact, Jesus quotes that famous verse in this very book when he says these words, love your neighbor as yourself. That's from Leviticus 19. So there's some important stuff here in this book of Leviticus. Indeed, Jesus was well aware of Leviticus. He quoted from it. So today we are in Leviticus 25, Psalm 25 and 26, and we'll finish in the book of Acts, chapter 22. Lord, you loved us. Help us to know it and help us to share it. Leviticus 25. While Moses was on Mount Sinai, the Lord said to him, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you have entered the land I am giving you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath rest before the Lord every seventh year. For six years you may plant your fields and prune your vineyards and harvest your crops. But during the seventh year, the land must have a Sabbath year of complete rest. It is the Lord's Sabbath. Do not plant your fields or prune your vineyards during that year. And don't store away the crops that grow on their own or gather the grapes from the unpruned vines. The land must have a year of complete rest. But you may eat whatever the land produces on its own during its Sabbath. This applies to you, your male and female servants, your hired workers, and the temporary residents who live with you. Your livestock and wild animals in your land will also be allowed to eat what the land produces. In addition, you must count off seven Sabbath years seven sets of seven years, adding up to 49 years in all. Then on the Day of Atonement in the 50th year, blow the ram's horn loud and long throughout the land. Set this year apart as holy, a time to proclaim freedom throughout the land for all who live there. It will be a year of jubilee for you, when each of you may return to the land that belonged to your ancestors and return to your own clan. This 50th year will be a jubilee for you. During that year, you must not plant your fields or store away any of the crops that grow on their own and don't gather the grapes from your unpruned vines. It will be a jubilee year for you and you must keep it holy. 
but you may eat whatever the land produces on its own. In the year of Jubilee, each of you may return to the land that belongs to your ancestors. When you make an agreement with your neighbor to buy or sell property, you must not take advantage of each other. When you buy land from your neighbor, the price you pay must be based on the number of years since the last Jubilee. The seller must set the price by taking into account the number of years remaining until the next year of Jubilee. The more years until the next Jubilee, the higher the price. The fewer years, the lower the price. After all, the person selling the land is actually selling you a certain number of harvests. Show your fear of God by not taking advantage of each other. I am the Lord your God. If you want to live securely in the land, follow my decrees and obey my regulations. Then the land will yield large crops, and you will eat your fill and live securely in it. But you might ask, what will we eat during the seventh year, since we are not allowed to plant or harvest crops that year? Be assured that I will send my blessing for you in the sixth year, so the land will produce a crop large enough for three years. When you plant your fields in the eighth year, you will still be eating from the large crop of the sixth year. In fact, you'll still be eating from the large crop when the new crop is harvested in the ninth year. The land must never be sold on a permanent basis, for the land belongs to me. You are only foreigners and tenant farmers working for me. With every purchase of land, you must grant the seller the right to buy it back. If one of your fellow Israelites falls into poverty and is forced to sell some family land, then a close relative should buy it back for him. If there is no close relative to buy the land, but the person who sold it gets enough money to buy it back, he then has the right to redeem it from the one who bought it. The price of the land will be discounted according to the number of years until the next year of Jubilee. In this way, the original owner can then return to the land. But if the original owner cannot afford to buy back the land... It will remain with the new owner until the next year of Jubilee. In the Jubilee year, the land must be returned to the original owners so they can return to their family land. Anyone who sells a house inside a walled town has the right to buy it back for a full year after its sale. During that year, the seller retains the right to buy it back. But if it is not bought back within a year, the sale of the house within the walled town cannot be reversed. It will become the permanent property of the buyer. It will not be returned to the original owner in the year of Jubilee. But a house in a village, a settlement without fortified walls, will be treated like property in the countryside. Such a house may be bought back at any time, and it may be returned to the original owners in the year of Jubilee. The Levites always have the right to buy back a house they have sold within the towns allotted to them, and any property that is sold by the Levites, all houses within the Levitical towns, must be returned in the year of Jubilee. After all, the houses in the towns reserved for the Levites are the only property they own in Israel. The open pasture land around the Levitical towns may never be sold. It is their permanent possession. If one of your fellow Israelites falls into poverty and cannot support himself, support him as you would a foreigner or a temporary resident and allow him to live with you. Do not charge interest or make a profit at his expense. Instead, show fear of God by letting him live with you as your relative. Remember, do not charge interest on money you lend to him or make a profit on food you sell him. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. If one of your fellow Israelites falls into poverty and is forced to sell himself to you, do not treat him as a slave. Treat him instead as a hired worker or as a temporary resident who lives with you. 
and he will serve you only until the year of Jubilee. At that time, he and his children will no longer be obligated to you, and they will return to their clans and go back to the land originally allotted to their ancestors. The people of Israel are my servants, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt, so they must never be sold as slaves. Show your fear of God by not treating them harshly. However, you may purchase male and female slaves from among the nations around you. You may also purchase the children of temporary residents who live among you, including those who have been born in your land. You may treat them as your property, passing them on to your children as a permanent inheritance. You may treat them as slaves, but you must never treat your fellow Israelite this way. Suppose a foreigner or a temporary resident becomes rich while living among you. If any of your fellow Israelites falls into poverty and is forced to sell themselves to such a foreigner or to a member of his family, they still retain the right to be bought back. Even after they have been purchased, they may be bought back by a brother, an uncle, or a cousin. In fact, anyone from the extended family may buy them back. They may also redeem themselves if they have prospered. They will negotiate the price of their freedom with the person who bought them. The price will be based on the number of years from the time they were sold until the next year of Jubilee, whatever it would cost to hire a worker for that period of time. If many years still remain until the Jubilee, they will repay the proper proportion of what they received when they sold themselves. If only a few years remain until the year of Jubilee, they will repay a small amount for their redemption. The foreigners must treat them as workers hired on a yearly basis. You must not allow a foreigner to treat any of your fellow Israelites harshly. If any Israelite has not been bought back by the time the year of Jubilee arrives, they and their children must be set free at that time. For the people of Israel belong to me. They are my servants, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Psalm 25 A Psalm of David O Lord, I give my life to you. I trust in you, my God. Do not let me be disgraced or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. No one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced. The disgrace comes to those who try to deceive others. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and unfailing love which you have shown from long ages past. Do not remember the rebellious sins of my youth. Remember me in the light of your unfailing love, for you are merciful, O Lord. The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness. All who keep his covenant and obey his demands. For the honor of your name, O Lord, forgive my many, many sins. Who are those who fear the Lord? He who shows them the path they should choose. They will live in prosperity, and their children will inherit the land. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. My eyes are always on the Lord, for he rescues me from the traps of my enemies. Turn to me and have mercy, for I am alone and in deep distress. My problems go from bad to worse. Oh, save me from them all. Feel my pain and see my trouble. Forgive all my sins. See how many enemies I have and how viciously they hate me. Protect me. Rescue my life from them. Do not let me be disgraced, for in you I take refuge. My integrity and honesty protect me, but I put my hope in you. O oh God, ransom Israel from all its troubles. 
Psalm 26, the Psalm of David. Declare me innocent, O Lord, for I have acted with integrity. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. Test my motives and my heart, for I am always aware of your unfailing love, and I have lived according to your truth. Do not spend time with liars or go along with hypocrites. I hate the gatherings of those who do evil, and I refuse to join in with the wicked. I wash my hands to declare my innocence. I come to your altar, O Lord, singing a song of thanksgiving and telling of all your wonders. I love your sanctuary, Lord, the place where your glorious presence dwells. Don't let me suffer the fate of sinners. Don't condemn me along with murderers. Their hands are dirty with evil schemes, and they constantly take bribes. But I'm not like that. I live with integrity, so redeem me and show me mercy. Now I stand on solid ground, and I will publicly praise the Lord. Acts 22 Brothers and esteemed fathers, Paul said, listen to me as I offer my defense. When they heard him speaking in their own language, the silence was even greater. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, and I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. As his student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. And I persecuted the followers of the way, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women and throwing them in prison. The high priest and the whole council of elders can testify that this is so. For I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the followers of the way from there to Jerusalem, in chains to be punished. As I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus the Nazarene, the one you are persecuting. The people with me saw the light, but they didn't understand the voice speaking to me. I asked, What should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, Get up and go into Damascus, and there you'll be told everything you're to do. I was blinded by the intense light, and I had to be led by hand to Damascus by my companions. A man named Ananias lived there. He was a godly man, deeply devoted to the law, and well regarded by all the Jews in Damascus. He came and stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. At that very moment, I could see him. Then he told me, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will, and to see the righteous one, and hear him speak. For you are to be his witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. After I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple, and I fell into a trance. I saw a vision of Jesus saying to me, Hurry, leave Jerusalem, for the people won't accept your testimony about me. But Lord, I argued, they certainly know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you, and I was in complete agreement when your witness Stephen was killed. I stood by and kept the coats they took off when they stoned him. But the Lord said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The crowd listened until Paul said that word. Then they all began to shout, Away with such a fellow! He isn't fit to live! They yelled, threw off their coats, and tossed handfuls of dust into the air. The commander brought Paul inside and ordered him lashed with whips to make him confess his crime. He wanted to find out why the crowd had become so furious. 
When they tied Paul down to lash him, Paul said to the officer standing there, Is it legal for you to whip a Roman citizen who hasn't even been tried? When the officer heard this, he went to the commander and asked, What are you doing? This man is a Roman citizen. So the commander went over and asked Paul, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I certainly am, Paul replied. I am too, the commander muttered, and it cost me plenty. Paul answered, But I am a citizen by birth. The soldiers who were about to interrogate Paul quickly withdrew when they heard he was a Roman citizen, and the commander was frightened because he had ordered him bound and whipped. The next day, the commander ordered the leading priest into session with the Jewish high council. He wanted to find out what the trouble was all about. So he released Paul to have him stand before them. And now may our Lord, who stands with us, may he now give his blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. Amen. The crowd is listening, dazzled by the description of light, the voice from heaven, the trance-like visitation. Their interest is piqued and they're inspired as they hear of this supernatural encounter and transformed life of Paul. Paul's giving his testimony and they're very intrigued. This once hostile crowd is now listening until one word is spoken. For them, it is the word that stands in the way of that same light, that same life breaking through in their own lives. It stands in the way of their own hope and transformation. This one word breaks the silence, and at this one word, they go to war. The word is Gentile, right in verse 22. The crowd listened until Paul said that word. Then they all began to shout, Away with such a fellow! He isn't fit to live! That word represented something to them. It represented their own place before God, their own justification before God. It's so tragic that one word could stand in the way of their seeing God's life and love as it really is. A love that extends to every human being that you've ever laid eyes on. In this case, it spoke of those who were in and those who were out. Those who were loved and those who are not loved. Those that are friends and those who are foes. And Paul kicks over all those notions and lets all those listening to him know that God's love, God's embrace, goes far beyond the boundaries of any words that we might ever conjure up. God loves the Jew indeed, but he also loves the Gentile. In fact, God's love is not confined by our words at all. God's love for all humanity is discovered and revealed in the face of Jesus. And he's here to let the whole world know that God's love is far greater than we've ever dared to think. So hear Paul and hear Jesus, hear them dismantling any words that we might have in our hearts that confine him and try to keep others outside of God's embrace. Because in the end, those words that we think will exclude others will only work to exclude our own hearts and keep our own hearts and eyes blinded to the magnitude of the God who loves everyone. So let's hear him well today and let us let him remove the barriers that keep us from seeing him.
That's the prayer that I have for my own soul. That's the prayer that I have for my family, for my wife, my daughters, and my son. That's the prayer that I have for you. May it be so. Let's continue now in a time of prayer. Feel free to read along with these prayers in the show notes of today's podcast and meditate on these words that are being spoken over you, your family, and our world. And now, let us pray. Lord God, Almighty and Everlasting Father, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power that we might not fall into sin or be overcome by adversity. And in all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, you have made of one blood all the peoples of the earth and sent your blessed Son to preach peace to those who are far and those who are near. Grant that people everywhere may seek after you and find you Bring the nations into your fold, pour out your Spirit on all flesh, and hasten the coming of your kingdom. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light, and where there is sadness, joy. O Lord, grant that I might not seek so much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in the giving that we receive, in the pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in the dying that we are born unto eternal life. Amen. And now as our Lord has taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to thank you for joining me today in our time through the scriptures and in prayer. And once again, let me commend you for sticking with it, even in the book of Leviticus. As I mentioned earlier, isn't it interesting that this book that gets read by so few Christians is actually a book that Jesus read and quoted from? Perhaps some of the most well-known verses that Jesus spoke were found right in this book. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Man treasures indeed. 
Well, let's keep at it, my friend. Let's keep taking one step at a time, discovering treasures old and new, having our hearts renewed by the washing of the word, having our imaginations rehabilitated by the beauty of Jesus. Hey, friends, before I let you go today, I've got two things I want to share with you. One is about our amazing partners. These are people just like you because they are you. They are listeners to the podcast who have partnered with Heather and myself to make this podcast possible. And I am so grateful for the likes of Denise Williams, Scott Boren, Kristen McClellan, and David and Tammy Swain, a couple of OGs with the DRB community. They've been riding with us for almost the entire time. So thank you, partners. Appreciate you so much and so grateful that we can do this together. If you're listening today and you would like to partner with us and join that happy group of folks, man, that is so appreciated and so needed. All you need to do is head on over to the webpage, dailyradiobible.com. Click on the donate link. You can also find that very same link in the show notes of today's podcast. And you can also reach us through the U.S. Post at Daily Radio Bible 2748 Northeast Molini Way, Hillsboro, Oregon 97124. Now, the last thing I want to share with you is this. I want to do a special segment on this podcast that will give me a little bit more time to respond some of your questions. Questions pertaining to our readings, theological questions. I'd like to open up a little dialogue there and provide a question and response segment to the podcast. So in addition to what we normally do here, we're also going to offer, right now it'll be just one time a month where we reach into the mailbag and I'll select a particular question from you and spend a little time discussing it. And again, that is a question and response podcast. And I say response because I'm giving you my response, my perspective. I don't want to presume that it is the answer. These will be my responses, my own interaction with the text, my own experience with the word. So if that sounds interesting to you, feel free to send me a question, something you'd like me to discuss a little more in depth about the Bible, about our readings, or about the theology behind the readings and the Bible. Feel free to send them to hunter at dailyradiobible.com. Use the word questions in the subject line, and we will spend some time discussing them about once a month. All right, friends, we have done it. We've done it again, and I plan on being back here again tomorrow to do the same thing. Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, your brother Hunter plans on being here. Until that time, let's go forward in God's joy. Let's let his joy be our strength. And let us always remember this, that you are loved. No doubt about it. Alrighty, I'll talk to you again tomorrow. You guys take care.